Chapter Seven of Babu Jabberjee, B.A. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by K. Hand. Babu Jabberjee, B.A. by F. Anstey. Chapter Seven. How Mister Jabberjee risked a sprat to capture something very like a whale. I am this week to narrate an unprecedented stroke of bad luck concerning to the present writer. The incipience of the affair was the addressing of a humble petition to the indulgent ear of Honorable Punch, calling attention to the great copiousness of my literary output and the ardent longing I experienced to behold the color of money on account, on which, by returning post, my parched soul was reinvigorated by the refreshing draught of a draught if i may be permitted the rather facetious jeu de mou payable to my order so uplifted by pride at finding the insignificant crumbs i had cast upon the journalistic waters return to me after numerous days in the improved form of loaves and fishes i wended my footsteps to the bank on which my check was drafted and requested the bankers behind the counter to honor it with the equivalent in filthy lucres which they did with obsequious alacrity after closely inspecting the notes to satisfy myself that i had not been imposed upon by meretricious counterfeits i emerged with a beaming and joyful countenance stowing the needful away carefully in an interior pocket and on descending the bank step was accosted by a polite agreeable stranger who begging my pardon with profusion inquired whether he had not the honor of voyaging from india with me in the the for his life he could not recall the name of the ship he should forget his own name presently indeed i answered him i cannot remember having the felicity of an encounter with you upon the kasser i hind the stranger to be sure that was the name a truly magnificent vessel i forget names but faces never and yours i remember from the striking resemblance to my dear friend the majorat of banapur you know him a very elegant young handsome man a splendid shikari i was often on the verge of asking if you were related but being then a second-class passenger and under an impecunious cloud did not dare to take the liberty now being on the bed of clover owing to the decease of wealthy uncle i can address you without the mortifying fear of misconstruction so in return i without absolutely claiming consanguinity with the maharaja of whom indeed i had never heard did inform him that i too was munching the slice of luck having just drawn the princely installment of a salary for jots and tittles contributed to periodical punch whereat he warmly congratulated me expressing high appreciation of my articles and abilities but exclaiming at the miserable paucity of my honorarium saying he was thick as a thief with the editor and would leave no stone unturned to procure me a greater adequacy of remuneration for writings that were dirt cheap at a jew's eye and presently he invited me to accompany him to a respectable sort of tavern and solicited the honor of my having a peg at his expense to which i perceiving him to be a good-natured simple fellow inflated by sudden prosperity consented accepting contrary to my normal habitude his offer of a brandy panee or an old tom while we were discoursing of india concerning which i found like most globular trotters he had not been long enough in the country to be accurately informed enters a third party who it so happened was an early acquaintance of my companion though separated by the old lang sign of long iniquity what followed i shall render in dialogue form the third party why tompkins you have a prosperous appearance tompkins when last met you suffered from the impecuniosity of a churched mouse have you made your fortune tompkins mr tompkins i am too easy a goer 
and there are too many rogues in the world that i should ever make my own fortune johnson happy for me an opulent and ancient avuncular relative has lately departed to reside with the morning stars and left me wealth outside the dream of an avarice mr johnson enviously god bless my soul some folks have the good luck to me whispering a poor ninny hammer sort of chap he will soon throw it away on drakes and ducks aloud to mr tomkins splendid i congratulate you sincerely mr t in a tone of dulcimeness the heart knoweth where the shoe pinches it johnson my lot is not a rose-bed for my antique and eccentric relative must needs insert a testamentary condition commanding me to forfeit the inheritance unless within three calendared months from his last obsequies i shall have distributed ten thousand pounds amongst young deserving foreigners to-morrow time is up and i have still a thousand pounds to give away but how to discover genuine young deserving foreigners in so short a space truly i go in fear of losing the whole mr j let me act as your boodley in this and distribute the remaining thousand mr t from what i remember of you as a youth i cannot wholly rely on your discretion rather would i place my confidence in this gentleman indicating myself who turned orange with pleasure mr j indeed and how know you that he may not adhere to the entire thousand mr t and if he does it is no matter if he is a genuine deserving i can give the whole to him if i am so minded and he need not give away a penny of it unless inclined at which i was fit to dance with the delight mr j i deny that you possess the power seeing that he is a british subject and as such cannot be styled a foreigner mr t there you have mooted a knotty point indeed alas that we have no forensic bigwig here to decide it myself modestly as a native poor student of english law i venture to think that by dint of my legal attainments i shall be enabled to crack the gordian nut i am distinctly of opinion that an individual born of dusky parents in a tropical climate is a foreigner in the eye of british prejudice and within the meaning of the testator and here i maintained my assertion by a logomachy of such brilliancy and erudition that i completely convinced the minds of both auditors mr j grumblingly to mr tomkins assuming he is correct why favor him more than me mr t because instinct informs me that a gentleman with such a face as his however dusky may be trusted and with the untold gold mr j jealously and i am not to be trusted if you were to hand me your pot-monnaie now full of notes and gold let me walk into the street with it do you doubt i should return speak tomkins mr t assuredly not but so too would this gentleman to me as mr johnson sneered a doubt here you sir take this pot-monnaie into the street for five minutes or so i trust to your honor to return it intact after i had emerged triumphantly from this severe ordeal of my bona fide aha johnson am i the judge of men or not mr j still seeking as i could see to undermine me in his friend's favor pish who would steal a paltry fifty pounds and lose a thousand pounds if i had so much to give away i should wish to be sure that the party i was about to endow had corresponding confidence in me now though i have always considered you as dull i know you to be strictly honest and would trust you with all i possess in proof of which take these two golden sovereigns and few shillings outside stay away as long as you desire you will return i know you well myself penetrating the shallow artifice and hoisting the engine-driver on his own petard who would not risk a paltry two pounds to gain one thousand pounds oh a magnificent confidence truly mr j to me have you the ordinary manly pluck to act likewise if you are expecting him to trust you with a pot of money he has a right to expect to be trusted in return 
that is logic mr t mildly no johnson you are too hasty johnson the cases are different i can understand the gentleman's very natural hesitation i do not ask him to show his confidence in me enough that i feel i can trust him if he doubts my honesty i shall think no worse of him whichever way i decide eventually here terrified lest by hesitation i had wounded him at his quick and lest after all he should decide to entrust the thousand pounds to mr johnson i hastily produced all the specie and bullion i had upon me including a valuable large golden chronometer and chain of best english make and besought him to go into the outer air for a while with them which after repeated refusals he at last consented to do leaving myself and mr johnson to wait mr j after tedious lapse of ten minutes strange i expected him back before this but he is an absent-minded chuckle-headed chap very likely he is staring at a downfallen horse and has forgotten this affair i had better go in search of him what you will come too capital then if you go to the right and i to the left we cannot miss him but alack we did and in a short time both misters were invisible to the nude eye nor have i heard from them since certain of my fellow-boarders on hearing the matter declared that i had been diddled by a bamboozle trick but it is egregiously absurd that my puissance in knowledge of the world should have been so much at fault and moreover why should one who had succeeded to vast riches seek to rob me of my paltry possessions it is much more probable that they are still diligently seeking for me having omitted owing to hurry of moment to ascertain my name and address and i hereby request mr tompkins on reading this to forward the thousand pounds or so much thereof as his munificent generosity he may deem sufficient to me at porticobello house ladbroke grove west or care of his friend the editor of punch by whom it will i am sure be honourably handed over intact nor need mr tomkins fear my reproaches for his dilatoriness for there is a somewhat musty proverb that procrastination is preferable to neverness End of chapter seven